After a few days of letting it settle, the Big 12 has 16 teams and a whole new list of problems. We'll dig into that. And we're also talking about BYU adding two new commitments to the defensive backfield in the 2024 recruiting class. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Appreciate all of you for your continued patronage of this show. Of course, thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast. And by way of introduction, we are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU, in particular football and basketball. We cover it all on this podcast. Today's title sponsors are friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs help you find the qualified people that you want to hire for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college to get started today. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's dive right in on today's show and talk about the new Big 12. And uh, it's kind of a wacky thing. I did a podcast late Friday night, and trust me, it went like wildfire. So thank you to all of you who tuned into that. And I was kind of just getting some thoughts off my head about the new look of the Big 12 with 16 teams beginning in 2024. Uh, New additions in Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. How does that affect BYU? How does it affect the conference, etc.? And after having a chance to kind of sit on it and think about it for a couple days since then, I really still feel a lot of the same way I felt on Friday night, but it brought me to thinking about some new things that with regards to how this conference is going to operate moving forward. Now, from the BYU perspective, this is actually a good thing. Now, uh, I say that good thing because a number of you are saying, well, I don't want Utah in the conference. Okay, now, that that it's that's its own deal. Obviously, the rivalry, the Holy War is back. It'll be an annual deal from here on out, and uh, TBD on when it is played, I'd highly suspect that will be moved back to the uh, weekend of Thanksgiving where it was for years in the WAC and the Mountain West eras for these two programs. Now, those two universities, speaking of BYU and Utah, if you're just checking us out, if you're, if you're an, uh, I guess, an unaffiliated observer or you're a fan of another Big 12 team, Get ready. The Holy War is one of the preeminent uh, rivalries. Does not get talked about enough nationally uh, when it comes to the Utes and Cougars getting together. And it's going to be a fun thing to have that back in the conference. But uh, more from, I guess, a, a more of a, I guess, a macro perspective for BYU is this is a good thing for BYU, giving them an opportunity to have a lot of new members of the conference around them to help with scheduling. And I'm not the only one thinking this. Uh, Michael Crow, who uh, is the president of Arizona State University, he spoke to the media over the week. Weekend, and he talked a lot about okay, this is what happened when they went down. Uh, when it went down for them to chase a Big Twelve membership, and I, I gotta say, if there is one reluctant member in the Big Twelve, like that's being dragged into the conference because they just simply had no other choice, seemingly, it's probably Arizona State. Now, I also say that I think Utah has a little bit of that reticence and etc. They they were one of the programs that was very very staunchly pro Pac twelve and all of the realignment talk. And I get it. I truly get it. But uh, if you want two members who are going to be probably the most reticent or the most 
I don't know, uh, feet-dragging types coming into the conference. It's these two, but I think the biggest one is Arizona State. But Michael Crow was talking uh, to the media over the weekend, and he made a hint at something that I think is absolutely probably – well. Absolutely probably going to happen? Yeah, I, I, I'm using that terminology there. And he talked about uh, divisions potentially coming back to the Big 12 with 16 teams. He says, quote, yeah, you're going to try in the Olympic sports to go to divisions and probably do that in football as well. Travel and regionalization still makes sense, but it really makes sense in the Olympic sports. And I don't blame him one bit because uh, the way this is going to set up, I think there's actually four uh, nice little uh, divisions or pods, if you, you want to call it that. I'm going to throw up a little graphic here. Uh, I used the graphic from the Sideline Sports Network. So big thank you to them for letting me use it. I'm going to throw this up here. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see it. Uh, I kind of circled uh, four team pods. I think very easily could be the way that the Big 12 divvies things up. Now, they could obviously go with eight team divisions and obviously split it with uh, Utah, BYU, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, making up the five in the far west of it. And then you could also probably add Texas Tech in West Texas, maybe TCU and like Oklahoma State, for example, to make up a, a western division and then the eastern division could be uh baylor houston the kansas schools iowa state cincinnati west virginia and ucf very naturally but i'm of the opinion that if I, you should probably my this is just my thought is that the big 12 should pursue this four pod setup the way i've got it drawn up now the pods for those of you listening on the regular podcast uh would be the utah schools and the arizona schools so uh byu utah arizona arizona states a very natural run contiguous states that obviously are overlapping i think the next one would go to what i call the midwest that'd be colorado kansas state kansas and oklahoma state i think those would be very natural traditional rivals obviously uh, cu boulder is out on the east side of Colorado out uh, where the planes kind of start and obviously fitting in with Oklahoma State and the Kansas schools would be very natural. Then you create a Texas division, a Texas pod, if you will. Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, and Houston all together. Very natural to have that. Now the biggest division just in terms of overall geography is the last one. That's Iowa State, Cincinnati, West Virginia, and UCF. That's pretty uh, large expanse uh, for all four of those schools, but they're the only four that don't necessarily have really close ties to one another in terms of geography. But I think this would be the best way, in my opinion, to go about regionalizing the sport as Michael Crow talked about. Now, is this how it's going to happen? I highly doubt it. I, I'm just making my suggestion here of how the Big 12 should operate. But I think this would offer opportunities. Obviously, you could have these as your established rivals in football. I'm, I'm sure BYU would love nothing more than to play the Arizona schools in Utah annually. Have those three set right away. Colorado could be in the mix as well if need be. And if you have to go to a true division setup where you have the eight teams on either side. Sure, go about it, but uh, I think that the way that the the Big 12, not the Big 12, the Big 10 had scheduling set up before the additions of Oregon and Washington, they were going to a 3-6, uh, three, was it a 3-6 model? Yeah, it was supposed to be three uh, established rivals you'd play every single year. Those would be established for you, and then you'd uh, rotate through the rest of the conference with six that you would play. There'd be three away, three home, and that's kind of how you just rotated through every single uh, team on a pretty regular basis. I think this would be very natural for the Big 12 to do this, because your established rivals, in case of BYU, would be Utah, Arizona State, and Arizona. It'd be very natural, and then you rotate through the 
rest of the conference home and away on a rotation basis. I, I think it'd be very natural. Of course, you'd make trips every so often out to West Virginia to UCF and Cincinnati. That's fine. You just but you you limit the amount of travel overall. Same thing with the Olympic sports. It would limit the travel extensively. You're not having to send your tennis teams or your volleyball teams or your softball teams to UCF on an annual basis. Obviously, you would do that on a on a rotational basis, but it's not the worst thing in the world to go with these pod setups. But uh, I think the bigger question will be how uh, does the Big 12 decide to go about this? Will they go with this pod system? Will they go with divisions? Or will they just simply say, you know what? We're going divisionless. We're going to do what everybody else is doing and kind of go we're just without divisions and the top two teams make it to the co- make it to our college football championship game. You could still do that with the pod system, but TBD on how it ultimately shakes out. The other question I have, just with regards to another question about this, and I guess it's more of an answer, is there's a lot of fans out there, most notably Utah fans, who've been crowing and and shoving it in BYU's face that they are going to be full share members for the first year they're in the conference. That's true. They will be that, but it will not, based on what I understand, be the $31 million. That's the kind of the misnomer out there, is that the $31 million is going to be paid out in 2024 2025, the year that before the actual media rights still kicks in. That is not true. Let me be very clear about this. Now, I could be wrong about this, but all my research indicates that the final year of the Big 12 deal will still pay out the original uh, media rights deal, the final year of that deal, which is $220 million in the current media rights deal, which is going to skyrocket to $380 million in 2025. So, Based on everything we are looking at right now, the media rights portion that's being be paid out the first year that Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado are in the conference is somewhere the actual media rights, the overall just TV money, is around $22 million, not the $31 million that's been reported out there. I hope I can get that across to some of you and hope, uh, hopefully clear up a little bit. And yes, that is still more than BYU will be making as a partial share, mem- partial share member in their lead-up to making a full share in 2025. But, okay, BYU's making between 18 and $19 million reportedly that year. A $3 million difference. There was all that talk about the Pac-12. And if, if that if that media right still comes in within about $5 million of, of the Big 12 or even less than that, there's no reason to leave. Okay, if that's the case, you can't have it both ways. It, it goes one way or the other. Either that's a big gap or it's not that big of a gap. Just trying to, you know... Even out the playing odds a little bit uh, for you Cougar fans out there. All right. Uh, Some good news also came over the weekend for BYU in terms of their uh, recruiting. Now, the 2024 recruiting class is something BYU is absolutely uh, being very judicious with. They want to make sure that they bring in Power 5 caliber players. They got two of them. They're going to play in the defensive backfield for BYU that we'll talk about coming up next as we continue on right here. Unlocked on Cougars. Now, first a word on our friends over at LinkedIn. They've been working with us for months now, my friends. They they are officially actually our recruiting sponsor here on the Locked On College channel. But these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You as a hiring manager or simply the owner. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates, and that's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster, and the best part is for free, everybody. Go set up your profile now, get your job uh, posting up, and then add 
added your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions will make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire and get started on that process right away. And it's also why small businesses are rating LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs wants to help you to find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster, my friends. Post your job for free once again at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free once again. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast. Coming up on tomorrow's show uh, it is my plan, uh, who knows what's going to happen, it feels like, uh, to announce the winners of our giveaway. We've been doing this all summer long, uh, giving away, uh, we got signed Jaron Hall football, which is the grand prize, as well as some other BYU swag. want to reward you guys out there who have been uh, really uh, hanging out with me all summer long. A number of you are probably checking in with fall camp underway, etc. Uh, but uh, we reward you guys the, the the nominations the entries are closed uh, I have all of the winners actually already picked but with how jam-packed today's show was I said you know what let's just hold off we'll get to, to tomorrow's podcast and hey if crazy news happens once again like it happened over the weekend we may push it back another day but uh, we will get those winners announced ASAP for you guys so stay tuned for that on tomorrow's edition of the podcast all right uh, time now to talk about two new additions to the BYU recruiting class, them both being uh, defensive backs for the BYU football program. The first came on Friday, if I recall correctly. Uh, it might have been Saturday, but it's Therian Alexander III. He goes by Trey, as I understand it. Uh, he is a defensive back out of Southwest DeKalb uh, High School in Decatur, Georgia. Is it Decatur? Mm, I don't know. Uh, but he's a member of the 2024 recruiting class. He's got elite size as a cornerback. Six, two and a half. Uh, you put him in cleats, he's probably closer to six, three but has a very, very nice rating according to 24-7 Sports. 87, that's a high-level three-star, borderline four-star if he continues to get uh, some uh, pub shown his way. And he picked BYU and said that BYU just felt like a place that he could fit in. Now, this is a kid who had no previous relationship or connection to BYU. He is not a member of the predominant faith of Brigham Young University, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but he felt like BYU is where he wanted to be. He built a very strong relationship with Kelly Papinga. Now, Coach Papinga coaches the East and the South for BYU due to his connections from his time spent at uh, Virginia under Bronco Mendenhall. He actually recruited the Atlanta area where uh, Trey Alexander comes from, and he made the first contact with Trey's family and obviously built the relationship. But then Gennaro Guilford, BYU's cornerbacks coach, took over and really uh, became the point man in recruiting uh, Alexander. And it sounds like it was a very, very strong relationship. I had a chance to watch Alexander's film. He's got great uh, just length in terms of being a cornerback. Something you can't teach at this uh, position is having a guy who is all of six foot three. Uh, they list him at six two and a half, but having that length and the ability to just go up and make plays, you, you just can't teach that. The one thing I, I do wonder about is if he'll get his weight up. He is listed at one hundred and sixty two pounds, and he looks it. He looks very very thin playing football, but uh, that's not the worst thing in the world. He'll come into BYU, have a training table, and obviously give him all the food that he can bear. I trust me, I've got enough conversations with BYU players. They are taken care of on the food side of things, and obviously in a weight training 
training program at the Division I Power 5 level will also pack on the pounds for him. And it's not like you have to be a 205-pound behemoth to succeed at cornerback. You want to keep the speed. Uh, I was reading 24-7 Sports article on this, Jeff Hansen. He said that uh, Trey Alexander runs an 11-100 meters as well as a sub-22 second 200 meters. So he's got sprinter speed. And that's absolutely something that BYU needs, especially in this new defense under Jay Hill. It's going to require guys to be able to run with opposing uh, wide receivers. You have to play man coverage. And it sounds like Trey Alexander, very excited to play in that. Now, he was also joined yesterday by uh, by the announcement of Jonathan Cabea, who joins BYU out of Byron Nelson High School in Trophy Club, Texas. Now, this is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, he is 5'10", 170 pounds, so a little bit shorter, but a more compact athlete, but still all the ability out there. He is an 85 rating. From 24-7 Sports, his 24-7 composite rating has him at 86.6. So, uh, nice athlete. Uh, like I said, a great size, all things considered. Now, 5'10 and 6'3 are very different sizes, but cornerbacks come in all kinds of packages. Many of you might recall Justin Robinson back in the day for BYU, who they listed him at 5'6". Was he really like 5'4"? Four, five, five. He was just absolutely just diminutive height wise, but made plays bigger than what he was. Corby Easton back in the day was what five eight. So BYU's had a bunch of cornerbacks of different sizes. Now you also look at the Chris Wilcoxes that BYU's had in the recent past. Chris was all a six foot two and has spent time in the NFL. You also have guys like Michael Davis who was six two. So cornerback is not a position that you have to have a exact size or exact measurements to succeed at the position. Both of these players have played at high levels. When you're playing in Georgia at the prep ranks, you're also playing in the Dallas-Fort Worth area at Byron Nelson High School down there. You're playing at some of the top levels of prep football in the entire country. Georgia and Texas are among the top five. Georgia, maybe they're just outside the top five in terms of overall talent produced on an annual basis from the high school prep ranks. So these are hotbeds BYU is trying to tap into and similar story to, with Jonathan Cabea to uh, what Trey Alexander. No previous connection to BYU, not a member of the LDS faith, but felt like he had a kinship and a relationship with BYU's coaches that he very much enjoyed and wants to continue to develop as he comes to play for BYU. Now, it is still early in the process. You have an entire season upcoming uh, for other teams to step in because all both of these players have Power 5 offers that have come their way. That's the other thing about this you got to be very wary of. Uh, for Alexander, he had offers from Ole Miss, Mississippi State, NC State, and also a number of G5 offers out there. So he's got Power 5 and programs that are in his proverbial backyard in the SEC who are chasing him. Now, they will obviously continue to make uh, inroads and hopefully be able to flip that. Well, they'll be hoping to flip him. But BYU, it sounds like, He's locked in. He says, quote, BYU is the place for me to go carry out my legacy. The communication with the coaches is something that is second to none. The vibe and the step up into the Big 12 was enough to pull a kid like me from the Peach State all the way to Provo, unquote. That's awesome. And by the way, the other thing about this is, this is a direct indication of the Power 5 bump BYU has been expecting and can expect as they make the move to the Big 12 and the Power 5, or I guess we'll even be now the Power 4 ranks. But nonetheless, a Cabea similar to Alexander have Power 5 offers, Arizona State, now an in-conference rival, Indiana, Texas Tech, who is also a Big 12 member, as well as a number of other G5 offers. So BYU is getting out on the recruiting trail, and the nice part is they have gone to non-traditional uh, recruiting grounds that they have traditionally not recruited 
recruited very heavily. I'm speaking of Georgia in particular, as well as Dallas-Fort Worth down in Texas, and brought in two high-level athletes. And like I said, this is this is fantastic news for you as a Cougar fan. This is the Power 5 bump that BYU's been hoping for in recruiting. Now, are either of them four-star athletes? No, but you got to start somewhere in the recruiting profile. And if both of these players go out and have success for BYU on the gridiron, that's going to benefit you as you go back to those places, speaking of Atlanta as well as Dallas-Fort Worth, to go recruit athletes. You can point to these guys and say, hey, these guys had success at BYU. The nice part is you also in the Dallas-Fort Worth area have a guy like Margin Hooks, who has been a fantastic representative of BYU and is training a number of great athletes down there in the DFW area. So, Tap into all the opportunities he got. Kelly Papinga has inroads he made at Virginia down there in the south, in the Atlanta area in particular. Why not take advantage of that? And it's already yielded fruit, obviously, by a guy like Alexander, Trey Alexander, coming to BYU. So congratulations to both of them on picking BYU. Uh, Tip of the cap to Gennaro Guilford in particular for obviously locking down both of them on the recruiting front, and hopefully uh, they hold on. Now, Trey Alexander did say, hey, we're, we're not done yet, BYU fans. He said this on social media says, we're going to bring elite athletes with me uh, to Provo. That's awesome. If he wants to recruit for BYU and help bring guys in, that is exactly what you want from this 2024 recruiting class. There's 10 uh, commitments in the class so far for BYU, and hopefully they'll be able to continue to build on this. This is not your old uh, school BYU. We're going to kind of wait and see and kind of wait. Uh, no, no, not wait and see, actually. Excuse me. What I'm trying to say is they used to really just kind of load up the recruiting class. They never loaded up by now, by the end of the summer, going into the season, and just be like, okay, we're good. BYU is in a number of high-profile battles excuse me, on the recruiting front. They're currently still recruiting Noah Lugo. Maya Luiaki-Smith, the other quarterback prospect, has not committed officially. Uh, there are some thought that he may end up at Oklahoma State, but he is not committed, and BYU is still in the mix until he says otherwise. So very interesting things that BYU is going about, but I think they're being very careful with their recruiting process and saying, you know what, we need to be more judicious to make sure that, hey, this guy is a Power 5 level player because BYU needs athletes like Trey Alexander and Jonathan Cabea, excuse me, to compete at the Big 12 level, and you need to get high-level athletes. You can't just take any Joe, you know what, Joe six-pack, I guess I should say, I use that term loosely, out there on the field that has dreamed of playing for BYU and is a try-hard guy. In the past, that worked for BYU, and those guys can probably still walk on at BYU, but in terms of overall scholarship athletes, you've got to be weighing now, is this a Power 5 caliber player? Is he a Big 12 player? And that's kind of got to be the, the metric that you go with if you're BYU. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll finish out today's show with some other notes. Uh, a form, uh, Actually, a former BYU signee on the basketball front apparently is going to go back into the transfer portal within three months' time. We'll talk about that. Also, BYU women's soccer had their annual blue and white scrimmage. We'll talk about that, as well as a look back at another game in BYU's 2021 season. As our look back at all 155 games in BYU's independent run draws closer and closer to the end. We'll get to all that coming up here momentarily. Now, a word on a new friend, or actually an old friend coming back. It's our friends over at Utah Community Credit Union. They have a new thing called Learn and Earn, my friends. The UCCU mobile banking app that pays your entire family to learn about money. Think about that. Uh, kids look to parents to become financially literate. Parents don't always know the answers. Trust me, I don't know all of them when my kids ask me. But Learn and Earn brings out financial topics into fun, bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia. The best part about this is every time a family member completes a topic, they earn points that accrue and can be redeemed for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and more. There's age 
appropriate content for every member of the family who can compete against one another and track their progress on the leaderboard. Like I said, this is all mobile. It's all on your app. So go ahead and check it out, my friends, and start earning today. Learn and Earn is inside the UCC mobile banking app. Play it anytime, anywhere. The more you play, the more you learn. And best part, the more you learn, the more you earn. Think about that, my friends. Learn and Earn, part of UCC's award-winning Be Money Smart youth banking program, helping teens, kids, and parents have fun while becoming more financially literate together. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic Monday whenever you hear this. Hope you guys are all had a great weekend. It's just kind of been nonstop. It was nice to just take a day on Sunday and just kind of relax. I have, and it was, just, it was nice to kind of take a breath, kind of let things settle, think about things for a little bit, and then obviously get back on the mic and talk all things BYU. All right. A couple of notes before we go on today's show. Uh, BYU obviously has been uh, playing uh, sports at the Division One level for more than 100 years. Uh, it depends on where you kind of uh, look at when the intercollegiate side of things happened for BYU. But 1922 was BYU's first year of football. But they have now are at the Power 5 level. And we had our first official, I guess you call it, Power 5 contest over the weekend for BYU. That was the BYU Women's Soccer Program. Uh, they had their uh, first Meet, meeting, I guess you'd say, matchup, whatever you want to call it. The blue and white game. Uh, 1,250 f- fans were in the stands at Southfield. You can watch it on BYU TV or ESPN+. Plus. But the white team took the win over blue 4-3 to at a really, really fun game back and forth. Jennifer Rockwood said it was a really fun night. I'm super pleased. I think it was great to get our starting group together and play as a unit. We were able to do that in the first period and somewhat in the third period. They have been playing a lot this summer, all mixed up. So get our starting group together was super important. Now, the one thing about this is, folks, If you want a program that can compete year one in the Big 12 for conference supremacy, we're talking a Big 12 title, keep an eye on BYU Women's Soccer. They're among the elite in the West Coast Conference, which is actually a very, very strong soccer conference on the women's soccer side of things. Keep an eye on BYU. They're going to have a chance. Uh, They played three periods in this one, obviously a 4-3 win for the white team. Uh, They'll officially be on the road this week uh, for an exhibition in New Brunswick, New Jersey. They're taking on Big 10 member Rutgers. That'll be Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern time. It'll be the first of their two preseason matchups. Uh, that'll be, once again, 7 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Mountain Time on Thursday night. Best of luck to Jennifer Rockwood and her squad as they get the season started. Also, BYU uh, basketball news. We saw this uh, come out from, uh, who was it? Uh, Jeff Goodman, originally. Also, uh, Robbie McCombs from Vanquish the Foe putting us out there. Quez Glover, who was a member, a highly touted uh, signee for BYU out of the transfer portal in May, uh, just three months later, apparently, is going to enter the transfer portal. Jeff Goodman said this at Florida, uh, former Florida and Sanford guard Quez Glover, who committed to BYU, is likely to reopen his cr- recruitment per a source. The grad transfer uh, averaged 14.7 points and shot 38% from three this past season at Sanford, played first two years at Florida, the last two at Sanford, and had come to BYU thinking that he was going to be the starting point guard for BYU. An absolute bucket getter, scored at all three levels for BYU, and he actually scrubbed BYU from all of his social media over the weekend, so very strong indication that he is moving uh, on from BYU, and according to what Robbie McComb said, is that he actually is leaving BYU because of NIL. Now, if that's the case, BYU has got to figure something out here because I have been told that BYU is investing in NIL, especially on the basketball front, that more than they ever have before. Is it enough, though? That is the question here for BYU uh, basketball. If they are, great. If they aren't, 
you got to up it. Now, uh, like I said, there could be a mul- uh, multiple uh, issues that ultimately caused him to leave, but uh, I, I trust Robbie. Robbie has been on this stuff from the get-go. He's got fantastic sources, and when Robbie says something, I trust what he's saying. He says that uh, uh, there's a chance for BYU now, by the way, who has two open scholarships to go out and add maybe some transfers of their own because there are still some grad transfers who can enter the portal. That's why Quez Glover can do this. He's actually a graduate transfer, so he can leave at any point. That's the new rule in the transfer portal is even though he signed in May and never actually enrolled at BYU, because he is a graduate, he can go right back into the portal and look for a new home. The problem for BYU is now they have two open scholarships. They're going to be playing in the best basketball league in the country. And oh, by the way, BYU starts classes in what, two or three weeks? you got to really, really get on it here if you're Mark Pope. And oh, by the way, BYU has an assistant coach, a strength and conditioning coach, uh, a new ops uh, man- uh, manager, whatever you call him, a director of operations. They have to hire all of those on Mark Pope's staff as well. It's going to be a very busy time. Oh, I forgot the best part about this. BYU is making a trip to Italy and Croatia later this month as well as a team. Think about uh, all the stuff that's going to be jam-packed into this month for BYU men's basketball. Two open scholarships, multiple open positions on Mark Pope's staff, and oh, by the way, an overseas trip uh, with the squad as well to play a number of games against European squads. I don't envy Mark Pope. He's got a very, very busy month ahead of him. And we'll see what happens. But obviously, uh, Quez Glover leaves a hole for BYU in their lineup, especially when you have already one open scholarship. And uh, the hope is BYU can fill them uh, pretty quickly. I still think that BYU needs a big man, if at all possible. And in the case of Quez Glover, needs another guard uh, to handle the basketball. Dallin Hall is a very natural guy that you probably think steps in in the interim as your starting point guard. But if you can find a guy like Quez Glover, who is figured to be your starting point guard, uh, we'll find out if everything shakes out that way. All right, final note on today's show is a look back at BYU. BYU in 2021. They made the trip to Baylor. Uh, this was an early look because BYU just learned earlier that month, or actually earlier that season, I should say, that they were going to be members of the Big 12 Conference officially. Uh, this was a chance to really kind of get a, a measure of how good they were as they took on the Baylor Bears. Now, BYU was ranked 19th in the country coming into this one after their loss to Boise State the week previous. Uh, smarting a little bit from that loss to the Broncos, but still nationally ranked. Made the trip to Waco. And Baylor, eh, they did not treat BYU you as a new member of the conference very nicely. But the thing about this was uh, it really showed BYU, okay, where are we deficient? Well, number one, BYU could not run the football in this game. It was a grand total of 67 yards. When you have Tyler Algier in the backfield, you'd think you'd be able to muster more than 67 yards, but they absolutely were stifled. Algier, one of his worst games in a BYU uniform, 15 carries, 33 yards, 2.2 yards per carry. He did have uh, one uh, one touchdown in this game. The crazy thing about this is, many of you might recall, Jaron Hall did have a 56-yard touchdown run right up the gut, but it was in uh, garbage time, so to say, for BYU. Just uh, It came too uh, late for BYU, but crazily enough, he had 56-yard touchdown run and still finishes with a net of 25 yards rushing. Shows you how rough it was for BYU in this game. Uh, Hall did pass for 342 yards, but Baylor, man, 303 rushing yards, 231 passing yards, and obviously uh, Jeff Grimes, as their new offensive coordinator, was uh, sitting pretty as he got some uh, payback. I don't call it payback, but I don't know what you call it. Just he stuck it to his former program. But BYU gets their second straight loss, drops to 5-2 and two on the year, while Baylor improved to 6-1. and one. By the way, Baylor would end up winning the Big 12 title, if you recall correctly, in this 2020 
2021 season. Uh, but well, obviously, it was one of those games that BYU was reeling a little bit afterwards, but they would bounce back in a weird way uh, on the road the following week as they went to Washington State. And we'll talk about that game on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. So there you go. Uh, you are up to speed on everything I've got for you guys on this Monday. If I miss something, I apologize. I'll catch up on it. It was just a really, really crazy weekend. But nonetheless, a big thank you to all of you for your support of this venture. Please continue to subscribe, rate, review, like the show, leave comments, uh, share it with your family and friends. Word of mouth goes a long way to building the audience we're building here on Locked On Cougars. And a big thank you to all of you once again for your support. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today, as we always say. Thank you for being everydayers. And of course, come back and join us again tomorrow. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.